Before we get into the next episode of the Conjugate Chats, I want to thank the Department of Young Strain Coaches, the DOYSC, for sponsoring today's episode. The DOYSC is to help young coaches into the field of strength conditioning, whether that is CSCS prep, live discussions, internship or GA opportunities, or anything else strength conditioning related. They are here for a resource for young strength coaches going into the field of strength and conditioning. I'll drop the link in the description to the DOYSC's Discord so any young coach can have access to this awesome resource. So thank you for listening to the Conjugate Chats and the DOYSC for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. Um, I have on today Joe Ryan, the unconventional weight room guy, the weights guy, whatever you want to call him, at Denham Springs High School. So, Joe, how you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So, um, let's kick things off. Tell us about yourself, where you've been, and how'd you get into strength and conditioning? So, obviously, my name is Joe Ryan. I am the head football strength coach, boys and girls powerlifting coach, swim strength coach, and cheer strength coach at Denver Springs High School. Uh, before this, and this is actually my alma mater, so I'm back home, which is cool to be able to be back in the weight room that I, was, uh, that I worked out in. But before that, I was at a small 1A school called Ascension Catholic High School, where there I was in charge of every sport on campus. You know, small school, I mean, it, there was uh, 180 kids, 8 through 12. So it wasn't a, a major big school. I mean, they averaged about 30 kids per class. So it was a good place to start at. And then before that, I actually played at a Division II school called University of Arkansas Monticello in Monticello, Arkansas. I played fullback there and got the opportunity to GA where I took care of all of the developmental workouts, all the red shirts, took care of all the film stuff, helped where I could on offense. And kind of got my foot in the door there, learning from some great guys and a guy named Marcella Speaks, who was my strength coach while I was there. Learned a lot from him and another guy named Mario Jabriel, who is now with the Atlanta Falcons as an assistant line coach. So kind of got to help those guys and learn a lot. Only GA'd for a year. And then I uh, got into the high school ranks, started Ascension, was there for three years, like I said. And then I've been at my current school now for six years. Right on, man. Right on. So, and we kind of touched on this a little bit. Why the high school realm? Why not go private sector? Why not go collegiate? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the collegiate thing, man. Not that it wasn't my thing, but I want a family. I wanted a family, and I do have that now. And I saw some of those guys and the way we worked, and it was, you know, seven-day-a-week grind. It's you know, and maybe it was the D2 part of it that kind of got me. You know, we would get off the bus at 7 a.m. on Sunday after driving 16 hours from Valdosta, Georgia, and immediately start doing film and doing everything and work until the guys came in, hopefully catching a nap on the player's lounge couch and things like that. And I don't know if that was it or really, man, the purity of high school. You know, uh, the high school game, and I, and I know it's ever-changing, you know, in my state – they can have NILs now in high school, but it's ever, ever changing, but it's still pure Friday nights. There's nothing as good as that. You even see guys that make it to the hall of fame in the NFL. They always talk about Friday nights 
and talk about going back underneath those lights, being around a community, being around that, that school atmosphere with the pep rallies and wearing your jersey on Fridays and things like that. And that's what I wanted to be back to. You know, I loved playing high school football. You know, there was nothing. When I was growing up, I was a ball boy. Um, we moved around a lot. You know, my, my family's in the military, but I was a ball boy at every place we went. And just that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a high school football player. I wanted to, to be there. So the purity of it is really what, what I love. And, you know, the private thing, you know, I, I did that for a while on the side while coaching high school. And not that it's not fun and, and you don't build relationships, but parents are, parents are different, man. And I think everybody runs into that, you know, they're always looking for the next best thing. And there isn't that relationship building. You know, I was lucky enough to have a few kids that I trained for a few years that I had them from when they were about 10 years old to 14. So I was able to see that growth. But in high school, you can see kids come in at 13, 14 years old and they turn into young men and women and they're getting ready to go out in the world and they find themselves and they, they learn about themselves. And that's what I love about the high school. Yeah, man. High school is special, right? We, I went to a D3 college and, you know, people still talk about Friday Night Lights. You know, you can go and play games on Saturdays and that's great and everything, but there's nothing like Friday nights. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's nothing, nothing like it. And, you know, you talk about, I guess it's um, not cliche or corny or whatever, but, you know, the show, the movie Friday Night Lights, I remember seeing that in theaters. Like I was in fifth grade, fourth grade, something like that. I forget what year it came out. I was young and we went for a friend of mine's birthday party and that's where his parents took us was to see that movie. And I've seen it, I can't even tell you, countless times. I had it on DVD forever and I loaned it to a kid and never got it back. And then the series, you know, I'm funny thing. I mean, I'm actually rewatching it right now for probably the, the thousandth time, you know, and just it epitomizes high school and high school sports. Absolutely. Um, what are you doing to continuously learn in the field of strength conditioning? So my biggest thing, and I'm all about being not that talking to collegiate people or even higher than that is a bad thing for me because I do. I mean, I often go visit Kurt Hester and I'll pick his brain and talk to him at Tulane, even when he was at Louisiana Tech. And then I speak with uh, Tommy Moffitt now and again, former strength coach at LSU, just about different things they did in their career or how they got started or where they've been. And because, you know, Tommy Moffitt started a school, John Curtis here in Louisiana and moved his way up from there. And not that that's a bad thing, but sometimes that stuff doesn't really transition to high school. You know, we have what we have. We have those athletes that we that they just show up at our schools. You know, we don't go out and get four star and five star guys. Right. And I like talking to the high school coaches that are doing the same thing I'm doing with the same type of kids I'm doing them with. Um, so every day, you know, I drive 40 minutes to and from work. And a lot of guys are no, I mean, all coaches. I mean, everybody's up early, you know. So whether it's to or from, I'm always on the phone talking to a different strength coach in the area or in the state or in other states that I can just pick their brain. What did y'all do today? How are your kids reacting the third week of July? How are your kids handling, you know, the first few days of summer workouts? How are they handling, you know, working out or getting back into school and working out in the morning and practicing in the afternoon? Like just that's what, how I get better. And constantly reading, you know, YouTube's a beautiful thing. Twitter's a beautiful thing. Facebook, and I mean, all the social medias are just, they're great. 
but just talking to people, picking their brains, becoming friends with them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's kind of why this got started, was just because, you know, never really met any of the coaches that are I connected with on Twitter, you know, outside of Twitter. And, you know, I, I met a couple of them at a conference or two, you know, the last about a year or so. But, you know, when you meet or when you connect with a lot of people on social media, you don't get the chance to really talk and have this one on one conversation with them. Get more so, personable with them. Like that's, yep. And that's kind of what I'm about. Like I met with a um, female track strength coach just this week talking about her name's Amanda Woosley at a school near us called Zachary High School. Very, very good, respectable powerhouse in our state. And we just talked about hip mobility, about, you know, getting stronger in the lower half of our body, different things she does. You know, she helped me. We just, I uh, moved around stuff in our weight room to try and make it more functional for us. And she kind of sat in there with me, like, this is what I would do. This is, and just talking to those people. and. and you know, we started the, we only probably spent, we probably spent about three hours together of those three hours, probably only about 30 minutes of it was actually talking strength, but just kind of getting to know each other. What do you do? How do you do it? You know, how do you get to know kids better? You know, one of my things that, because I coach males and females, I mean, I'm a girls powerlifting coach, boys powerlifting coach, but then other sports I coach. And one of my things is for me, it's easier to coach girls. They, they listen more, man. They're, they're sponges. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's a blank slate. They listen to everything you have to say and how you have to say it. And not to say boys don't, but, you know, we're both men, and boys kind of have that attitude sometimes that they know better, and they see something, you know, they see um, – what's the Wheeler guy, the big power lifter, uh, bodybuilder? I know who you're talking about. They, yeah. They see him, you know uh, – benching 225 with the actual barbell and 225 pounds in each arm and it's like guys y'all can't y'all are 15 years 14 years old you know y'all can't do that they see some of those things and you know i guess that's the curse of social media is you kind of see some of that but and, and back to her thing in her case you know i love to know like how do you get respect from the male athletes as a female strength coach you know that's one of the i, I you know how do you do things differently yeah, so absolutely. things like that, man. Like, yeah, man. Uh, we kind of—I want to go back to the point about working with female athletes and male athletes. That is so true. I mean, female athletes will listen to you. They're a little bit more proficient in the weight room than guys are, and it's—it's it's not really a shocker to me because boys are, especially high school boys. And I mean, we've—we've we've been there before, right? High school boys are dumb. If. <laughs> It, I, you couldn't tell me anything when I was that age, man. Like, you know, like where I respected my coaches, absolutely. At the end of the day, I respected them. But, oh, man, you know, coach might have said this, but I'm going to do it this way. You know, like we think we know better at that age. I, I remember when I was in high school, I had these platforms, right? We just got new platforms. You know, the double-sided racks. Had the plywood on one side, had the bench on the other. And he told us specifically, said, do not jump between – you know, whatever, you know, leech or whatever. So you rolled your ankle. And I, said, and I was like, mm, whatever. Messing around in the weight room. Rolled my ankle. I was like, okay, not, not, not doing that ever again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. But it's, 
you know, that's the nature of it, man. Where at, at that age, they just, and it's amazing to see, you know, uh, I have a daughter who power lifts and she just turned nine the other day and she's, uh, we've been in it. That's where actually I'm at right now. I'm sitting in a hotel in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. She has a meet tomorrow, her third meet. And, you know, the way she listens to me, man, it's, it's a lot better than some of my male high school athletes. And it's just crazy to see. They're like sponges. And they, like you said, they're efficient. They, anything you say, they try and perfect it. And I, I think it's awesome, man. Like, that's why I love coaching different sports and co-ed sports and dealing with different athletes of all, all different types of sport. Absolutely. Um, this kind of ties in into some of that. What are the more difficult parts and challenges that you're facing as a strength coach right now? It's not so much the buy-in right now. It's the, I guess, the continuing of keeping things fresh. Because, you know, talking back of the social media thing, you know, these kids see all these, you know, this NFL trainer, you know, who's training these athletes, they're doing this thing or doing that thing. Why aren't we doing that, coach? You know, that's cool. Why don't we do that? Like, I'm not a big ladder guy. I don't, you know, ladders make you quicker on your feet. Yeah, I think they have their place. Um, I don't think it's an everyday thing. And, you know, some guys live and die off of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'll never tell a kid that someone else is wrong with what they do or tell them I'm right and you should listen to what I have to say. But, you know, some of that stuff, so some of the stuff they see on the TikTok and the Twitters and all that, like they question it. Sometimes they question, you know, why don't we do this? Why aren't we out there, you know, um, running through the ladders and over the micro hurdles and all that stuff? And it's like, guys, I have two hours with you in the morning time to lift and get conditioning in. We have to get what I call it, the meat and potatoes. We got to get the meat and potatoes in before we can do all that stuff. You know, again, time and a place for it. But that's one of my biggest challenges is that and keeping kids from doing too much. I have a big around here where I'm at, you know, seven on seven teams are real big and, and all this, and I'm a hundred percent will support my kids and show up to those things and all that, but just kind of making them realize like too much, there, there is such thing as too much. Sometimes your body doesn't have time to recover and, you know, a politically correct way. I mean, we come first, you know, your high school team in my eyes comes first and then everything else is secondary. So that that's one of the biggest challenges I'm having right now. And I think a lot of coaches would probably say the same thing, you know, they're having that challenge of getting the kids to kind of focus on what we're doing here and not doing so much of everything else. Right. And that's something that I'm kind of running into right now because our kids like to do the seven on sevens and they like to do other stuff. Oh, well, I'm going to go with my trainer for this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have to make a point. And I talked to the head coach about this too. I was like, what we do in these four walls is way more important than what a trainer is doing. And I oh. use that word trainer very, very loosely. Yeah. Because okay? um, I've seen, I seen these trainers that are popular on social media. And some of them do good quality work. You know, I recognize that. But I also recognize when a tra trainer, quote, air quotes, is selling you crap. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's complete crap. And you're trying to tell this kid, hey. You know, I'm not going to say, his, you know, he's complete crap, but I'm going to say, you know, what we do here is a little bit more important. If a trainer is really that good, that he will adjust to what we're doing. And 
our school setting. Yeah. So I, I think and, that's huge. And what you said just now, you know, the, the, um, the kind of the, you can recognize the real and the, you know, the crap. One thing I saw the other day, cause one of our kids went on a, uh, went and visited um, Incarnate Word. And, you know, he started, he was talking about Brett Huth over there, their strength coach, and just how much he liked him and how it was, you know, he knows he has to spend a lot of time with a strength coach and this, that, the other. And, you know, I follow him on Twitter, but I never really actually sat down and looked at his Twitter. And one of the things and hashtags he uses is, you know, real training. And that's what I think our kids don't realize these days is there's such thing as getting work in quote unquote, and real training, real stuff that's going to uh, translate to the field or to the core or to the diamond or whatever it is, whatever sport it is, kids need to kind of realize that there's such thing as real training and just going out there and putting out a ladder or something like that and just kind of getting work in for a few hours. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's talk about a little bit of training. So what are the more important physical attributes for a strength and conditioning coach to develop in their athletes? As far as lifts wise, or just like, you know, on their physical abilities. So speed, multiple oh, yeah. strength. Saw this on Twitter the other day, man, people are debating about, you know, what's more important speed mechanics or, uh, being in the weight room to develop those. And, you know, I love it, man. I, I jumped in on it. You know, I just, I like stirring the pot every now and then, but for me, big thing I start with, man, is just functional, functional strength. Can you do stuff that, you know, can you do a push-up? Can you do, you know, an air squat? Can you do things like that? And I think, you know, I used to be real big on the speed part of it and the conditioning part of it. And I ran the outside for, I've been here for six years now, probably three of those years I ran the outside. We had a different strength coach at the time. I mean, I think they're equally, man. Equally is important. Um, what, okay, what can I, how can I put this? Bullet or knife, I guess, you know? Uh, what, what's, what's more? You know, I saw a game in, out here in Louisiana State Championship game back in 2007. It was Parkview Baptist versus Westlake High School. And Parkview, I mean, they were way bigger than them, outsized them. I mean, it was ridiculous. But Westlake was so much faster than them. And Westlake ended up losing by a point, 17-16. Probably the best state championship game I've ever seen in this state. Equally as important, I mean, I guess with my the Powerton background I have and all that, um, I believe in the strength part of it and being strong, and, and that's going to outlast stuff. But, you know, speed, man, speed and conditioning kills. Speed kills. Um, and I, you know, it hurts me, not hurts me to say it, but being a, I guess, quote unquote, weight room guy, you know, speed does kill, man. Bullet or knife. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that debate on Twitter all the time. Which one's more important, speed or strength? And, you know, I, I flip flop, you know, because yeah. I think about, you know, I think about from one perspective, I'm like, strength is very important. You, you got to have strength. You got to be strong. If you're not strong, you're going to get demolished. But I think it's it, more position specific. I mean, if we're talking about yeah. football specifically, I think we can, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's p position specific because do we want, you know, nothing against these guys, but do we want, you know, 5'11, 170 pound linemen that are, you know, can run the 40 and, you know, a 5'10, 
four eight five flat whatever it may be do we want that or do we want that you know six three six four you know 280 pound lineman that might not run the 40 the best but you know what he can squat 500 and he can bench over 300 and he can clean 300 you know i think it's it's position specific man you know you don't want small guys either i mean you're I would say running backs and things like that, you know, they need to take a pounding. So they do need to have that strength factor with them. And, and I, I like bigger backs, you know, <laughs> as, as a running back coach, I mean, I coach running backs too. As a running back coach, I have all different types, man. I got the speedsters. I got a young kid who's about 220. I got, you know, the smaller kids, you know, our big time running backs, you know, he's not the biggest, he's not the smallest. He's about 170, 175, but he can roll, you know, I, so I think, position specific you know i don't want these uh super huge corners do i want a a a big neck bowed up safety coming downhill heck yeah you know do i want bigger backers or maybe not hole pluggers because we don't see the veer or the triple that often but you know i do want backers that can run and backers that are that are strong so i guess you know sorry to interrupt you but you know it's position specific i think yeah absolutely you know, we think about offensive linemen. I look t- personally. I'm an offensive line coach. I like guys that are athletic and they're big. You know, I like them to be a little bit more athletic. You know, I I'd rather them. How should I say? It? Not sacrifice strength, but I rather them be athletic than to have 500 pound squats. Yeah. You know, if if they're if they're decently strong, and really athletic, that's what I want. But I don't want guys that are so muscled up and so jacked out of their mind that and they can't get and, yeah yeah can't they can't get into a three-point stance and yeah. now now it's just like well you suck at football you're good in the weight room but you suck at football yeah and one of our better man we had one of those kids last year yeah he's going to play at mississippi college you know he got that opportunity but he uh he was one of those guys man he could if he was a little bit taller you know, he was explosive enough that you know i, I don't know if he ever tried it but he probably could dunk a basketball but he also squatted 650 and, and, you know, now he didn't really latch onto the weight room until this last year. But, I mean, the kid was probably the most athletic phenomenon. I mean, he could run. He, he was strong. He was, you know, he was a guard. I mean, him pulling, I mean, he'd get there so quick, man. And he was a lot of the reason we were able to have two running backs that rushed, you know, for over 600 yards and had over 110 carries apiece. You know, he was a lot of that reason. So I agree, man. Athletic, you know. And I, that's something I don't know if some of the kids these days get how athletic the linemen are in the NFL or even at the next level in collegiate linemen. Like, there are some guys I played with even at the D2 level that were absolute freaks athletically, like freaks, man. And it's crazy to see. Yeah, I think about uh, Vince Wilfork all the time when we talk about athleticism, oh. big guys. I mean, like, he was about, what, 380, 400 pounds, yeah. something yeah, like that? He was he was big. But he ran a 40-yard dash laser, I think, on five flat. Yeah. You're telling me that a 400-pound guy can run 40 yards in five seconds. That's terrifying. And that's like the kid, um, Armstead for the Saints. I forget his first name. He played at UAPB in Arkansas. But he ran like a 4.8 coming out in his 40. And, I mean, he was like a day one starter in the NFL. I mean, he might have started the – the next year but i mean he's longevity of his career he's still playing you know and some of those athletic guys man they're just and you see more and more of that these days those faster more athletic linemen and just how they treat their bodies i mean andrew whitworth look at his career 
you know, he, right. he played 20 years and, and, you know, was very safe with his body and didn't have a bunch of injuries and was athletic and could still play at a high level. I mean, shoot, he won a Super Bowl this year at a high level playing against a good team. He was going against years. a good, yeah, he's 40 years old. Man. Going against a great D lineman and Trey Hendrickson, you know, like a young guy, you know, almost half his age that he's hanging with and, and being able to do that and just his athleticism and everything about him. It's crazy. Uh, in this past draft, uh, who is his name? Guy from Georgia, Jordan Davis. Mm-hmm. I mean, he ran what? What did he run? He ran a 4.8. Like, like yeah, like a 4.8, and he's three bills plus. I mean, he was a massive human that's just my goodness if i if i was an offensive lineman in the nfl and i saw that i'd be terrified if i was a quarterback in the nfl i would be terrified to have this six seven six eight guy whatever however tall he is you know 350 370 i don't even know how much he weighs but 40 yards covered about 4.8 seconds yeah that's uh it's insane again bullet or knife man yes here we go uh, so how do you monitor your athlete's progress when it starts getting to, towards playoff time? Well, okay, so I'll talk about our season. And some people are going to call me pr- crazy, but this is something I got from, uh, from Hester. We don't back squat during the season. And, okay. you know, the Buffalo Bills came out of the article about that a few years ago, last year, the year before, about not back squatting. You know, I asked Hester, I was like, man, you know, why? Like, what's the reasoning behind this? He's like, you know, at Tech, when he was at Tech, they didn't have the four and five stars. You know, if they got a two-star, they were lucky. But their guys were faster and they were fresher towards the end of the season because they didn't have that load on their back and kind of loading up a bunch of weight. And he said, and I'd be lying if I told you what year, but he had 12 guys at the beginning of a season that squatted 600 pounds. And he didn't back squat the whole season. You know, other things, deadlift, hip thrust, Bulgarians, um, you know, different things in that nature that he did, and at the end of the season, all 12 still squatted 600 pounds. And so I guess to answer your question, how we, how we monitor and control it, what we do is we'll wave up for three weeks and kind of, I don't want to call it a deload, but take a step back for a week, every four weeks. Now, as the playoffs approach, if there's a bye week or if there's a, you know, whatever it may be, we'll adjust from there, a playoff game, things like that. But that's kind of how we do it. Uh, we don't we'll stay in between 50 and 70% all throughout the season because I'm a based off percentage guy and we'll wave up for three and I get, you can call it a deload deload for one. Uh, we'll go take a step back and go down to about 50%, 40%. And uh, that's kind of how we do it, man. I don't flat bench either during the season. We incline because to me, that's a true football bench. I mean, I tell our kids all the time, you know, bench is more of a masculine thing. I get, I think these days, actual flat benches where incline is true. I mean, if you're a lineman or if you're anyone, you know, and you're making contact with somebody, where's your power coming from? It's coming from your lat through, right? Well, that's kind of what incline is. It's coming from our lat through using our triceps. You know, no high school kids' shoulders are really strong enough to block with an elbow out or to make contact with elbow out. Everything has to be tucked in. So that's. That's why we incline bench, and that's why we don't squat during the season. You know, we do a lot of deadlift. We uh, call it a modified sumo. Um, we don't have belt squat machines, so it almost acts as a belt squat without putting that load on their back. But that's kind of how we handle it, man. We will wave up for three, down for one, 
restart basically off of each month. So during August, we don't do that because to us, it's still preseason. It's still camp. We don't start games here until I think this year, September 2nd. But September, October, then for us, our season goes, our actual regular season goes into November. And then we'll start the playoffs the second or third week in November, third week, no, second week in November, um, because the quarters for us is the third week. But that's kind of how we handle it, man. And, and we'll wave up and then take a step back and then continue going. And, and our kids really um, respond uh, very well to it. And they uh, they love it, man, you know, not not killing their legs and constantly the grind of, of the season going on. It is tough on those kids. and. You know, we're blessed that our staff, we have a lot of guys that play at the next level. You know, our head coach made it to the NFL. So it's a blessing to kind of – he gets it. You know, he gets – and he has a strength and conditioning background, so that helps me out. You know, he interned with the Titans, um, and he ran the weight room his whole career basically until the last year or two. So, you know, he gets that type of stuff. Of, of those kids need a little bit of a break. You know, some guys aren't blessed to have that in a head coach that understand – it's not always, you know, pound these kids into the ground. Right. And um, it's so important for athletic development not to run them into the ground. I mean, this ain't the 90s anymore. This ain't the yeah. 80s. Like, these kids are not bodybuilders. These kids, I, I will say about 50% of kids hate being in the weight room anyways. So, I mean, like. <laughs> and it's crazy you say that, man, because I saw the. And we talked about it amongst the staff. You know, you kind of see differences in, in some of our groups that come through. You can tell the kids who truly love being in there and the kids who do it because they have to do it. You know, and I'm sure everybody sees that. But you can just it, – it's plain as day. The kids that are just, all right, we're in the weight room. We're here, you know. So I try and make it fun for a man. Like, um, we don't really max out. We, we do it twice a year or we're going to start doing it twice a year. You know, I kind of, everybody makes mistakes, man. I, I made the mistake this year of, I don't want to say pushing them, but, you know, trying to make it more fun for them to max out. And our kids, man, that I don't want to say the pressure got to them, but the pressure amongst themselves that to perform for us as coaches that they have to do better. You know, some of them weren't the greatest with it. And, you know, but we do things like on max out day this year. Um, we did like a, a going to war. So like, wear your best camo and like you know i painted my face i wore a cavalier i wore like a uh um you know my dad being the army i wore a helmet you know all that stuff and uh a lot of the kids got into it too and some do some don't but some of that buy-in you know letting them know like i'm not afraid to show up like this and fatigues and and military boots and all that but um yeah that's kind of you know not not putting them into the ground and doing all that and making it fun for them man like you see that that kids some of them love it, and some of them do it because they have to. Right, absolutely. Um, you work with about three to four different sports, right? You do the powerlifting, yeah. cheer, coat, or football, and there's something else. Swim. Swim, okay. So how do you manage the weight room with all these different athletes kind of coming in and out? So football is kind of my morning thing. We start football workouts with our defense at 6.30 in the morning. Offense will come in at 7.30. And, like, while offense is working out, defense is running, you know, I have somebody that I trust outside to, to help me with that. And then after offense leaves, we bring in our freshmen, which was a, a, a duty in itself this year. We had 88 incoming freshmen. Oh my God. So I, yeah, I had to get creative with that. 
and do like a group b group and because i run our workouts off a four quarter system so basically it's two to three workouts per quarter just to kind of make it simulate a game they'll have um 15 minutes for the first quarter 15 minutes for the second quarter and then 10 to 12 minutes for the third and fourth but so i had to get creative with the freshmen and do like an a group and a b group and I always – I put them in groups based off their squat because, you know, everybody knows that's the hardest thing to change in and out of weight and heights and all that. So for the freshmen, our A group was basically if you had a 225-pound squat and above, well, we maxed out of the springtime because we work them out in the spring as well, the incoming freshmen. They were in A group, and then everybody else is in B groups. So then after that, we do middle school workouts. for. We have three middle schools, feeder schools that come to our school. And it's a voluntary thing. If they want to come, they can come. So they'll come in at 930 and all they do is work out from 930 to 1030. Then powerlifting and swim actually work out together from 1045 to noon. And then right now during the summertime, because cheer has so much going on, I'll get them once a week and that's on Wednesdays. But during the school year, they have an athletic hour where I'll see them more. But that's kind of how, man, by, I'm usually there till about 1, 130 every afternoon i can get there i work out myself i get there at five and i work out myself for an hour hour and a half and then we're rolling man four days a week so let's kind of peel back a little bit you were talking about having 80 freshmen showed up 80 yeah so how do you progress freshmen where do you start them at and i guess where do you leave them going well we're blessed enough that you know there's a lot of buy-in in our community with these middle schools. So we'll actually start the freshmen working out in February. We'll work them out from February to April. And all that is strictly body weight, PVC pipes, lightweight youth bars. Um, we don't need, we use training plates. Well, we had a made in our, our wood shop, uh, made like wooden training plates a few years ago. So we use those and basically February, uh, yeah, February, March, April for those three months. That's all they do is, is the body weight stuff. You know, can you do a correct push up? Can you? And, you know, we tell them, like, guys, some of y'all aren't going to be able to do this. Some of y'all play football, but don't go home and, you know, you're not doing push ups and sit ups and stuff. So, you know, if some of them have to flop on the ground and peel themselves up, or some of them have to do quote unquote girl push ups, is what they call them, but just your knees on the ground that's all right with us. You know, we just want to get them stronger with the functional strength. Uh, so we do that for those three months they have off and they'll actually do spring ball with our freshman coaches in for two weeks in May. Then we give them off two weeks and then coming back. I mean, you know, we, we have everything ready for them. Well, they know what's going on in the weight room. They, I call it weight room etiquette. You know, they know where everything goes. They know how everything does how we do things. And, you know, I'm in there with them during their workout along with our freshman coaches, so, you know, cause that's the first people they see our freshman coaches help me out with them. And, um, you know, we hit the ground running. They do, it's a modified workout of what the varsity does. You know, they're not going to do everything because the numbers we have, you know, they're not hopping on the reverse hypers. They're not hopping on the glute hams necessarily right now. They're not, you know, teaching 88 kids how to, you know, Nordics isn't easy <laughs> or right. teaching, you know, if we can get them to clean squat and bench by the time they come to us in, in summertime, then again, meat and potatoes, that's what we're doing, you know, and some of them, you know, you'll see them 
you know, you'll catch a new kid come in midway through the summer because with freshmen, man, I mean, it's so hard to get them up there. Mom and you rely on mom and dad at that point. Yeah. So, you know, if we can do that and the basic stuff, man, the, the basic auxiliary lifts and well, I saw somebody the other day call them auxiliary lifts or call them uh, paired lifts, I think is what he said. Yeah. But um, auxiliary lifts, whatever you can get them with and, and things like that, man, that's kind of how we handle it. You know, we, we have the, we're blessed enough to have those three months to, cause I've heard you talk about the no barbell lift that you do with y'all's freshman. And, you know, I was actually interested in learning more about that while we're talking, but I guess we're blessed enough that we, we do that in a sense of being able to teach them before they actually come in for those three months. And we have, you know, we do it two nights a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays for an hour, hour and a half. And it kind of speeds up the process for us that we can hit, you know, we had a freshman this, this summer squat 425 pounds as a freshman. Now he's a massive kid. You know, he's a, he's a, he's going to be a big time player one day in basketball or football, whatever, whatever he chooses, not as a single sport, but just as a, you know, wherever he ends up going. Right. But we had a bunch of, and I think that paid dividends for us, man. It, it does every year. Like we have juniors right now because we used to do it sixth grade through eighth grade. But now we just do incoming freshmen, so eighth graders. But we have the junior class right now who have been working out with us for since they were in sixth grade. That's so crazy. a lot of them have have crazy technique, man. They could probably teach you teach some of the incoming kids better than we could at this point. That's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, you know, kind of go back to that uh, no barbell progression system that I kind of put out there. Um, it was kind of an idea that I had while being at the new place I'm at because, you know, I'm just stepping in and kind of adjusting to culture and everything, you know, at the school here. Now, I don't know how the middle school systems run. I don't know anything really of that nature. I just know football boys. I know track, you know, guys and gals. That's, that's, that's to about the extent of my knowledge for right now. And, you know, I was just seeing, looking around, like, you know, these guys are not really moving too well. You know, talking about just freshmen and sophomores, I'm like, you know, they don't need a bar on their back. Yeah. They, they don't need to be bench pressed. They don't need to be, they can get all that from a dumbbell. They don't need to be on the back. You know, they don't need a barbell on their back. Yeah. No, so, like, one of the first things that I do uh, with those middle school kids is teach them how to squat on air body weight squats, push up and a perfect sit up. Because, you know, for me, if you can do those three things, you know, everything else is going to kind of fall into line. You know, I, how they do push ups a lot of the times, and I'm sure everybody does it, is we'll relate that to bench. You know how your hands were on your push ups and a normal, regular push up, not a military push up, not a diamond push up, nothing like that. That's kind of where you're going to be thumb away grip on the bench. So that, you know, that's kind of where we start, man. And we'll, like I said, we'll do that for three months. You know, we have a bunch of PVC pipe and those 15 pound youth bars that, and those wooden trainer plates that we use. And, you know, we, we get after it with that little bit of stuff, man. And it's, you know, uh, these kids are surprised and they have a little bit more respect for it, you know, be going through those three months of just the lighter body weight stuff. And we don't, we don't even start adding weight to the, to the light bars until the last two weeks of of those workouts. That's awesome, man. Uh, kind of peeling back a little bit. I oftentimes ask about technology in the weight room. 
Do y'all integrate technology into your weight room? With some sports, I do. With some, I don't. So with football, because it's so many kids, I kind of do everything with with Google Sheets and Excel and things like that. Um, okay. But with swim and powerlifting and cheer, I use Team Builder. How and, is- and I'm I'm just really getting introduced to it. Like within the past year, I bought it in February, midway through our powerlifting season, because I was like, "All right, this looks cool. Let me try it." So how do you like having Team Builder into your strength and conditioning, powerlifting, swimming, cheer system? The biggest thing I like about it is it's accessible anywhere, like on their phones. Because, you know, I don't have TVs necessarily in the weight room. So sometimes I have a few iPads and stuff like that. But a lot of time I'll put it you know it's directly to their phone so if a kid like summertime for example if they go on vacation for four days well guess what they're not going to miss a beat because everything's there and they can film stuff and send it back to me and i can keep up with their progress and it automatically will update their maxes and everything that we do you know based off their load or show me their load or show me everything and i like it for that aspect i guess if i had a knock on it um the time it takes to put everything in the way my verbiage of what I say things, you know, sometimes, and it's all the same stuff, man, everybody, the different ways to skin a cat, you know, but sometimes I might call something different than what they have in team builder. So adding that stuff and finding a video for it online somewhere, because you just upload the link from YouTube and there it is, it pops up on their phone or their device or whatever it is or the TV. Sometimes that takes a little bit long. So like the very beginning of me doing it, those first few weeks, it took me hours upon hours. Upon, but now it's just like, boom, 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 boom. I, I can do it from my phone. Yeah. I want to get Team Builder in the distant future. I didn't know how easy or accessible it was to. I think it's, so we're in the process right now at my school to actually building new facilities. Uh we're getting baseball and softball on campus for the first time in a new football field stadium. I mean, we passed a, a, a bond back in April of 2021, I think it was. And there, I mean, it's a, a $19 million facility. We're getting a new field house, new weight room, all that. So when all that happens, you know, that's going to be a little bit better. But right now we're still, like I said, we're working on the same weight room I worked out in, you know, 17 years ago, 15 years ago. So, I don't want, I mean, not to be uh, snooty or anything like that, but I'm not going to spend money in this weight room right now when we're going to get into a new facility within the next year or so, year or two, and have to spend that money all over again. Right, absolutely. But paying for the paying for the, the app and everything, the usage of it right now, yeah, heck yeah, you know, keep that relationship with those guys over at Team Builder that way, you know, once, because I bought the biggest one right off the bat, 500 athletes. Because I knew one day, hopefully, this will be integrated into everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm still trying to get you know find something to help pay for Team Builder. You know, find some kind of grants or whatever, and have you know talk to AD about it and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, eventually, I like to work with all the sports where I'm at right now. But right now, um, I'm just now. I think I'm getting girls basketball to come on down to the weight room which is huge yeah um and then eventually make way to the boys and then eventually you know just another team yeah yeah kind of get them all and it it takes time man like it's uh 
it's still taking me time. You know, we're, our school is the third biggest school in the state of Louisiana, and it takes six years I've been here now, and I'm just now getting to where I have four sports. You know, and I think it's just the vision of it, man. Like, it's not easy to see it overnight. Right. It takes time to see that, and I get it. You know, I'm not naive to that. I've, I've been blessed that I've coached a bunch of different sports. I was a volleyball coach for a game, <laughs> you know, at my old school. So I count that. I'm I'm one and zero, and I retired from volleyball. <laughs> um, but you know, I've coached track and and obviously powerlifting and football, and you know, I've played different things in high school. So it just takes time, man, for people to kind of see like this is important. Yeah, absolutely. So. Kind of peeling back again, what advice would you give a young student or an athlete that wants to go into strength and conditioning? Crazy you ask that. And I've heard you ask that on to other people, but I actually have a young lady right now who powerless for me who she's already told me, like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a strength coach one day. I want to be in the weight room. I want to do all that. And one thing I do with powerlifting more specifically any kid that lives for me is more than welcome to come back and be at practices and help me. And we have, you know, I don't know how versed you are with the sport because it's not real big in certain places in Louisiana. It's a massive sport. Um, but we have rappers and trackers where they wrap knees or track weight and all that. And they come back and do that for me. And I teach them anything I can about the weight room and how things are done and how you carry yourself. So biggest advice I have learn Excel don't be afraid to ask questions to anyone. Don't be afraid to be annoying. You know, I, I was probably, I know I was that guy, you know, especially when I first encountered uh, coach Hester constantly sending him DMS coach, this, 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 until finally he was like, look, here's my number. Just text me whenever you need me. Don't, you know, things like that. You know, I, it's, uh, it's funny when you look back, you know, five, 10 years ago and it's like, man, I can't believe, you know, I was, I was that, nuisance or that was that gnat that kind of just hung around but just learn those things and grasp as much and read and you know save uh, i can't tell you how many i've saved more videos than i went back and look on different uh social medias twitter facebook instagram I've, youtube i mean i have folders upon folders of my I, <laughs> this is embarrassing but I make a different email on Google if I fill up and don't want to pay for the uh, amount of space. I'll just make another email and be able to get space. And, you know, I mean, the amount of stuff I have that I probably don't use is, is astounding, but just don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to be a gnat. Eventually you'll get an answer or reply back. Yeah. You got to put yourself out there, man. I mean, that's how you're going to learn. That's how you really want to know if you want to be here or not is you got to put yourself out there. Yeah, I mean, and and this young lady that wants to do it, I mean, she'll come and if I'm cleaning up the weight room on a Saturday, you know, and more kids will come. This uh, two days ago, you know, it was their off day on Thursday. Our last workout was Wednesday, and I was like, eh, I kind of feel like rearranging the weight room and seeing seeing if we can make it a little better for our athletes. So I sent a message out on Remind and on Huddle to all my different sports and to the football guys, and I had 30 kids show up came and we got it done in an hour and a half completely blew out the weight room mopped it rearranged it threw away stuff reorganized stuff and things like that you know those kids that that really love it will come do that stuff and really want to be a part of the learning and, and understanding you know i'm not a very analytical person i guess you could say i'm not going to get up there and blow the kids away with the science and the analytics of everything 
but there's a rhyme and a reason we do everything and I'll let them know why, you know, uh, one of our big things this summer was injury prevention and guys, this is why we're doing this. You know, we had a lot of legs last year. We had some knees, we had some shoulders. This is why we're focusing on this stuff because of that. So what are you doing to help prevent injuries? Me personally learning and I'm constantly, we have, we're blessed enough that we have three trainers or athletic trainers at our school. We have two that are there full-time, a male and a female. And then we have one from the orthopedic clinic that is contracted out to us that comes 40 hours a week, however many, you know, whatever, how many days they get their 40 hours in, but constantly running stuff by them and not for a uh, um, reassurance or anything like that, but like, Hey, what do you think of this? As far as injuries go, you know, what do you think of this? Cause they keep a log of everything. Anytime a kid checks into the training room for an injury, they keep a log of all that. So, you know, how do we get better here? You know, we'll go to clinics together. Um, we were going to go up to Nashville, me and our head trainer, we're going to go up there, but I work the nickel state O-line D-line camp every year. And it fell on that same week. So my wife was not very keen on me being gone from Saturday to Tuesday at Lyman camp, coming home for a day and leaving again to go to Nashville. So, but things like that, man, that's, that's really my big, you know, anything I, we didn't have foam rollers in the weight room and I'm a big believer in that, you know, kind of getting that lactic acid out of our bodies, rejuvenating ourselves. And before I bought it, I ran it by the trainers. Like, what do y'all think about this? Yeah. Heck yeah. We can use that at any point in time, you know? So that's kind of how I handle it. Um, injury prevention. I look back at what we had the year before, what type of, you know, again, knees, hammies, shoulders, anything like that talk to them how can we get better what do you think i constantly ask them you know what do you think based off of what we did what we had last year you know what do you think is going to help us get better where do we need to focus at so that's kind of how i handle it and you know we have a great relationship with our physical therapy place in town it's called peak performance and they're all alum of our school that played sports and became physical therapists so just talking with them, like, what do y'all think? How do y'all, you know, how do we get better? And, you know, we're blessed enough in a state that we have those resources. They have a clinic coming up on Monday through a, a hospital called Oshner about injury prevention and about, you know, heat related illnesses and things like that. So, you know, we can go to those things and, and we're blessed to have that, man. That's awesome. Uh, you know, strength coaches from all over, we get busy, right? We get uh, we we're in the weight room consistently. We're, we're seeing multiple athletes, and oftentimes we get a little bit stressed out, and even at times we get burnout. Okay, so what do you do to manage your stress and to prevent burnout? And I've been there, man. I have had burnout. I've had have like I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't. You know, I've I've been in those times. Um, I had a former principal of mine for when I was a student who now I actually taught his kids the past few years, but he told me when you're home, you're home, be there. And, and that's one of my biggest things that I live and die on when I'm home, you know, whatever time it may be minus like JV game nights, you know, that's a little bit later of a night, but <clears throat> bathing the kids, playing with the kids if they want to play, you know, help them with homework if they're still still going on that late. You know, part of the reason my little girl got into weightlifting was so we could spend time together. My wife is my assistant powerlifting coach. 
she know she knew nothing about the weight room coming into it like not a thing and my little girl messes with it all the time like hey mommy i'm stronger than you and things like that but <laughs> that's kind of how i prevent it man my kids are always around you know they're we're always doing something you know we might overdo it on vacations you know i'm not always going on vacation but if we have spare change we're gonna go somewhere you know we went to uh hot springs this summer me and my wife went to uh san antonio memorial day weekend to go see zach bryan and willie nelson but things like that if i can get away i get away but i'm, I'm constantly there with me that's awesome so um yeah i i had to ask that question because a lot of times, you know, if you're in this profession long enough, you're going to experience stress levels being high and you're going to experience almost burnout or very close to that burnout level. So, you know, I think if especially young coaches, if they're listening to this at all, I mean, that's just something you're going to have to figure out to deal with later yeah. down the road. It's coming. It's going to be it's going to come sooner or later. It's going to come. You're going to experience it. If you really want to be in here, you'll find a way to get around it. Yeah, and you just got to make the best of the situation. And like I said, when you're home, you're home. You know, you, you find hobbies. You know, I don't, I don't have a ton of them. You know, we'll go fishing. We'll hang out. We'll, you know, we watch movies a lot. Or we'll start series together. Um, our staff is very close. We all of us have kids or whether younger or older we all we spend a ton of time together outside of the facilities and we all know when it's football it's football and when it's not it's not it's a, you know we don't really talk about it we just hang out and we spend time together and you know it prevents a lot of that burnout you know i've been on staffs where they work seven days a week i've been on staffs that you know they're there just to say they're there here when we're here and we get our job done and then when we're not you know be with you our head coach doesn't let us miss stuff for our kids or, or doesn't let us you know spend hours and hours and hours beating a dead horse up there right right absolutely uh last couple questions here so top five coaches that influence you in strength and conditioning Kind of got a perfect. I mean, I kind of got a, a higher level list, I guess you could say, and then like a high school level list. Um, so when it comes to high school, like two of the people that actually kind of influenced me to get into this, uh, a guy named Delwin Day. He played at Louisiana Tech and had some stints in the NFL. He was kind of my, I guess, mentor and helped me with speed through high school and college. Um, and now he's a principal in the area, and he's actually come and talk to some of my teams before and kind of gave them words of wisdom and things like that. So him and another guy that kind of actually got me into this is Matt Bruce. He's the head strength coach at Catholic high school and former Olympian under Gail Hatch. Uh, we kind of crossed bath pass back in 2008. He was getting ready for Beijing and mutual friends. We kind of linked up and when I was a senior in high school, we used to do this thing called senior project. And I did my project over him and his career and wanting to become a strength coach. That's so awesome. those two, um, another, another mentor of mine has kind of helped me in the powerlifting world is uh, Steve Baronich. He was the, the local guy around here. Um, been a strength coach. He was a strength coach for 40 years. And we talk almost daily. Uh, another guy, Jeremy Manny up at West Monroe High School. He's the head strength coach up there. 
and uh, the last one, the last two really. Uh, a guy named Wade Hooper, he was a big time powerlifter through the '90s and 2000s. Used to train with Ed Cohen, was his training partner, and we're really close friends. We live close to each other. He's a powerlifting coach in our state, actually the vice president to me. And I talked to him a lot about strength and conditioning. And then Kirk Laverne, who's another strength coach in our state, who is at a small school named Church Point. You know, those guys are kind of my wealth of knowledge, I guess you could say. I, I call them and talk to them constantly. Uh, and then I guess higher level wise, you know, I've kind of talked about both of them, but Kurt Hester and uh, Tommy Moffitt are two guys that I really look up to and kind of model myself back. And who you think is a coach that everyone should be following, whether that is Twitter, Instagram, social media, just in general. Um, get his first name. I think it's Joseph or Joey Garisco over at, uh, Florida Atlantic. Yes. Just yes. Garisco over at Florida Atlantic coach. I absolutely love his stuff. Like everything he puts out there. I love everything he does, you know, and he's had open invitations for coaches to come, to come visit him. You know, he's a big one, you know, obviously Hester, just cause I, I everything about him, uh, Brett Huss, I follow a lot of his stuff, you know, Monty, when you had him on, you know, I had been following him for a while and I actually reached out to him after I heard that one. And, you know, kind of talked to him about a few things here and there. Um, another guy in the state of Texas who I lived when he was at a school called Copper's Cove in Texas. We were living there at the time and I grew up with his sons, but his name is Reb Brock. He posts a lot of good stuff on Twitter and a lot of good information. Um, but those that's kind of my list of people that I kind of I kind of follow. And, you know, I follow everyone else that I'm sure everyone else does, but I get a lot of a lot of good stuff from them. Yeah, absolutely. Monty, when he came on, he was awesome, man. I mean, he did not give me a short answer. He gave me a full depth and, you know, a full answer, man. It was oh, it was yeah. awesome. It was we awesome. were driving back from Arkansas when when <laughs> I made my wife and my kids listen to that whole episode, driving back from Arkansas. <laughs> and then we started on the next two. I mean, we just we listened to them the whole way back. We had a seven hour drive. So either go to sleep or follow this journey with me, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, that episode with Monty. As of today, actually hit a hundred downloads. So really, yeah. So in about sixteen days, it hit hundred downloads. So Monty and I, I'm sure I'll post it right after you know next day or so, just to you know promote it. But yeah, that's gonna be exciting for you too, though, man. Just kind of how how quickly this thing's taken off. It. Uh, you say you. It's funny that you say that. Is because I was talking to a good friend of mine, George Sanchez. He's a he's from Texas. Um, he's a collegiate football player right now, but uh, he's a strength coach over at high school as well. And I, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. He's really knowledgeable. I love the guy to death. And I was texting him. I was like, you know, you know, it's not taking off like I really thought it would. And he looks at me and goes, "Dude, you've been doing this a week. So yeah, relax." So I, I mean. It it really has taken off a lot better than I thought it would, because I didn't think anyone would want to listen to this. And you know, I made one post out said, "Who you know who should be on here?" Right. I mean, I had big names like Monty, and I had um, Missy Mitchell McBeth. I mean, she gave me a list of like twenty people, 
I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, I've been, you know, call it cosign or whatever. I've been telling everyone I can counter about it. You know, like a real good friend of mine who's a strength coach, his name is Josh Langlois, man. And he he's he actually was kind of under me for a few years and someone I talked to a lot, but I told him about it and now he's hooked on it. And I tell my athletes about it, like guys, if y'all want to just learn stuff and just get more versed on different things like life and just everything in general, you know, everything in between, listen to this podcast and you know, I love it, man. I really do. You know, everything you're doing for it and just the different walks of life people come from. That's why I've really wanted to highlight. And I think people kind of get misled because they see the big C word conjugate. You know, they it's like, oh, yeah. Con- yeah. yeah and that's that's like a whole culture within itself. Conjugate, conjugate training oh, is like a whole culture. Are we going to beat Louis Simmons? Yeah. Right. Like, Louis Simmons yeah. wearing West Side Barbell. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And that I think people kind of kind of get misled by that because they're thinking oh we're going to talk about dynamic effort and you know all this other stuff max effort and max then, effort yeah. and you know it's it's not that it's you know i want to get no coaches i want to know your backstories i want i want all walks of life to, to kind of like come together and that's what the word yeah. conjugate means it's the, to come the true definition of conjugate you know everything that you you know the hodgepodge the melting pot yeah, and that's I, that's what I wanted to do with this. I wanted to bring everyone together. You know, if it comes down to one thing, we're passionate about this field. I don't care if you're a West Side guy, a conjugate, guy, you know, whatever. I don't care what you are. At the end of the day, you are passionate about what you know. People in training today are passionate about what they do, and we're passionate about this. And I almost think it comes to almost to an extremist point to where. If anything's outside of what we know, it's it's wrong. It's automatically wrong, and it's not wrong. It's just not different. the way you do it. Yeah, it's, it's just, just different. That's why, like, my my thing is he's mentioned unconventional weight room guy. Everything's not going to be. You know, we might have a phase that's a conjugate phase. We might have you know a, a phase that's a you know linear periodization phase. We might have this. We might you know. It's just a. I'm just unconventional. I'm, I'm a guy. I'm a guy that just does this and whatever works for my athletes. You know, I'm not building a, a, a power lifter or a bodybuilder or, you know, I'm building the athlete. I'm building a football player. I'm building a swimmer. I'm building the best cheerleader. I'm, you know, whatever it is, you know, when it comes to maybe powerlifting specific, yeah, I'm building that. But outside of that, you know, you can, there's so many different things from so many different types of workouts and ways people do things that, you can take it on without it being the right way, quote unquote. Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank you for being on here. Thank you for um, getting to be on this pod and rearranging schedules and go through yeah, dead man. zones to get to this point, man. So yeah, man, I enjoyed every second of it, and I can't thank you enough for having me on and what you're doing for our field. Hey, man, it's it's something that I think is important to for strength coaches to have i think it's a good voice for strength coaches you know just not even talking about training stuff just to talk about life stuff man you know and i hope that people listen to this get something out of it you know i hope they listen to this and it's like well strength and conditioning it's more than sets and reps it's more than tempos it's more than percentages it's more than the weight room it's more than sprinting you know and for strength coaches, it's our life. It is our life. You know, we devoted hours upon hours, money, time, into building our craft and just learning, you know, everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's more than just being the weights guy. 
It's more than just being the strength guy. It's more than being a speed specialist. It's more than just being a strength coach. I mean, it, it's literally part of a lot now. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything. It's, it's everything to us. And, you know, I love it, man. I can definitely tell the passion in every all six episodes I've listened to so far. And just now, man, I can tell the passion of you and everyone that's come through here. And I love every second of it. Again, Joe, thank you. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your hosts here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry. That, uh, in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. Thank you, Joe. Thank you.